0: Good morning, everyone. Good
1: morning. Yeah. If it's morning Still for morning? you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you listen to this. <laughs> right.
0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah.
1: Are we going to get one more in before Christmas?
0: Yeah, we, we could, could do probably that. Probably one more. Yeah, but Merry Christmas more. season, anyway. Yeah. Happy Advent. Yeah. If you're like us, you were totally digging this season. I think my tree was up till like um, February last mine
1: year. Went up after my birthday which was yeah. November 10th. Well, happy birthday to I you. I was the first. Thank you. <laughs> I was the first in the neighborhood, and I usually am, but people quickly follow suit. They're like, oh, someone gave me permission. Right.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah, you set the tone for the whole thing. Right. So everybody was Let's probably start early. start
1: celebrating, amen. Get all those skeletons off your yard and the tombstones. <laughs> and the... <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, you went all out this year. I did. So we hope that everybody has a amazing time uh, for Christmas, whether it's with... Your family, your chosen family, um, however you celebrate. Um, I'm going to do both uh, this year. Yeah, you are. That's usually what we do. So looking forward to that. I'm about to head out to be with my family in Tennessee, and then we'll be back here with with friends later. So um, this whole topic uh, this week uh, that we've been talking about um, relates to the plan of the enemy versus the plan of God. And how appropriate to talk about that as we get ready to celebrate the Savior's birth, right? The one who brought us ultimate freedom and ultimately has a plan for um, an abundant life in the here and now, and then eternal life with Him and with one another forever. So we want to kind of compare and contrast that. I thought it was really appropriate because as we go into the Christmas season, you know, for many of us, it's a season of rejoicing, but for some of us, it can be a really hard time. That's right. When we think about you know loved ones that that are no longer with us, or the sense of loneliness or anxiety that we may normally have is a little bit more intense. So mm-hmm. we hope that some of the things that we share um, today will encourage you, like it encouraged us. I know just as I was going through a lot of it with Stephen, we were getting more and more we wanted to say, and there was more and more to talk about. Right. And, I had um, like
1: four verses. <laughs> To begin with and then mm-hmm. as I just sat down and started reading and cross cross referencing I was man wait yeah. that goes that goes well with this talk too and that goes well mm-hmm. yeah so we'll
0: yeah. see we'll see what happens. Yeah so it's kind of scripture heavy but um we think that that so many of the things we're gonna Little share scripture like scripture edifies amen. Amen. So the first um you know I think James opens this up so perfectly as he kind of compares and contrasts you know, God's heart and His intention and His way, and when we see that word way of life referred to in Scripture, it's always capitalized to let us know, you know, that His way is the best way. Right. So we want to kind of compare, like, what does God have for you? What does He think towards you versus what um, the thing, versus some of the things that we contend with, whether it's just things in our flesh and our own sin nature or, or even plans that the enemy would have for us. So, let's look at what James says about it all. In James 1, he kind of goes right into it. In verse 2, he says, Count it all joy. Count it all joy. All. (laughs) My brothers. So, he's talking to believers. That's right. When you meet trials of various kinds. When you meet. So, not if you meet, but when you meet. And um, some translations say, Greet trials with pure joy. All right? And one translation says, when you fall into various trials. So again, not a question of if we're going to fall, if we're going to struggle, but when you fall, That's right. when you struggle, greet it, that trial, with pure joy. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now when I... Used to read that years ago, perfect and complete. I'm never going to be perfect, right? <laughs> but Jesus is perfect, and we're striving to be like him, right? So, through the lens of Christ, God sees us as perfect, like him. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. That is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double minded and unstable in all his ways. I want to point something out here that James isn't getting on us because we're gonna fail. He's talking about the temptation to not have faith in the things we ask God for. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yes. He's not like, Look at you, what kind of believer are you? You you fell like Shame on you. No, he's saying, go talk to God about your problem, have the faith for him to help you, and then believe he's going to help you. Right. Because if you don't believe he's going to help you, you're double-minded and unstable in all, there's that word, all your ways. <laughs> yeah. So a lack of faith in one thing touches a bit of everything. Right. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Right? So when the, when the humble are exalted, boast about it. And the rich in his humiliation so when i'm when i'm up and i'm brought low he's saying still boast about that too because like a flower of the grass he will pass away for the sun rises in its scorching heat and withers the grass its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits and we don't control when that happens right We don't control, unfortunately, when we get a little older, when we get more gray, when your body changes, when you're not as rapidly after the age of 40. (laughs) Yeah, we don't control that, so we shouldn't fuss about it, Right. right? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So we're talking about an eternal reward there. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Isn't that interesting? But each person, each person, that means all of y'all, you and me. (laughs) No one's exempt, so we shouldn't act like we are. Each person is tempted When he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That's right. It's my own junk. (laughs) Nothing to do with God. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Thank you. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he, of his own, will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Almost done. So, so this faith thing, it's not to prove to God how wonderful and faithful we are, it's so that others can see how good God is. Right. Our faith in God is for others to see how good he is. We're not white-knuckling to prove anything to God. Our faith is for others, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, especially angry with yourself and angry with God, I added that. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I find that that's interesting, that that's right behind where he's talking about anger.
1: Right. Right?
0: The way to put away anger is to get rid of of filthiness and rampant wickedness. I've
1: seen seen that in my own life. I've seen, like, bouts of anger after I have chosen to sin in something. Me too. The next day, I, it, it might come from shame. It might um, come from other, you know, underlying emotions involved in the fact that I failed. Right? Yeah. And so anger quickly comes after. I'm quicker to
0: anger. For sure. With just normal everyday things. Even that slight, even if it's a slight disconnect that has separated us from that full communion with the Holy Spirit, it's frustrates us right and if Jesus didn't want to be separated from God even for a moment on the cross well we're like him we don't want to we don't want our fellowship with Him or with with one another that peace that comes from that to be interrupted so it brings frustration right
1: and it's not that God separates himself from us mm-hmm. the sin separates us and I believe it's more or less because of our own emotions and our own feelings and our own wanting to hide from God in the midst of sin, not want to confess immediately, be obedient by doing that. Right. Um, and so it takes, it feels like it takes time unless we cut it off
0: right at the moment.
1: Right. And anyway, I don't, I just, I just thought that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that more later. Well, I guess I could mention it now. I can remember as a young man, a new Christian, when I would fail in the areas of like sexual integrity, looking at pornography or whatever. And I can remember um, I would go on this like two-week shame fest yeah. of just hating myself, feeling like I wasn't enough, I was never going to get it right, God, why won't you take this away? Why? Over and over and over and over. And I can remember one time after failing this impression from the Holy Spirit, like the voice of God saying to me inside, Tony, do you believe that I, can he- that I can forgive you now in this moment just as well as I could two weeks from now? Right. And he said, the poison is in the shame. Right. And if you'd let me take away the poison, we could move on from this a whole lot faster. Yeah, like if right. you can appropriate my my sacrifice that I paid for your sin yesterday, today, and tomorrow, we don't have you don't have to you can get off this hamster wheel of of shame and, and unforgiveness. That's right, and and trust in uh, that you don't have to offer any other sacrifice beyond what I did, and that I just received that, and it completely changed my whole mindset about every kind of failure. But in particular, the, that, the, the personal one that kind of hit different than, than some of the others.
1: Yeah, it's interesting sometimes, especially with, I'm sure for men and women, particularly for men, as I have heard in my groups, the shame that comes from sexual sin or a sexual failing in any way seems to hit heavier than if we mouth off, or if we right. were jealous, or if we stole, or, you know, mm. just any other sin, the sexual sin hits harder. Right. There's a whole, I could go on a whole three-hour podcast of why mm. I think, you know, the church has not helped in that way. Because
0: a lot of them were doing the same thing.
1: Right. And I also had my own kind of coming to <clears throat> Jesus moment in my life where he also said, you know, I can forgive you two seconds right after that. Mm-hmm. instead of two weeks from now right? right if you can come to me immediately and shake that off of you and give it to me and it if, took a if long we time. believe we can right and mm-hmm. it took a long time for me to grasp that that mm-hmm. I didn't have to sit in my shame and guilt because I would even feel guilty for thinking I could just ask for forgiveness yep. so
0: fast yep. Exactly. Like, no, 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 I need to like flog myself. Yeah, you need to wallow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was the kid that was on the altar every Sunday, you know, boohooing, crying mm-hmm. my eyes out because I was never good enough. And so it, 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 a lot of it was just enduring through a thing to understand and learn my real identity. Yes. Once I understood identity and, you know, what Christ had done for me you know, some of that started to get shurred up
1: more. Right. And I mean, that th- what we were just talking about ties into what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. The plan of God is for us to constantly be with Him, reconciled to Him, in relationship with Him. That's His plan for us. Yes. And
0: the plan of the enemy is to keep us in the mud and wallowing. In, yeah. 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 And so for me, you know, anybody who may be struggling through... Well, it could be anything. And maybe you just failed recently in a bad way. Scripture here says to put it away and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. (laughs) So how do we clean this kind of stuff up? By receiving the word. With meekness. With meekness. Be humble. Yeah, Lord, Mm -hmm. here I am. Uh, there's a scripture even says that you know the way that a man cleanses his way is to hold on to the promises and the things that the word says about him. You better preach the text. So, <laughs> so even so, so, especially when I'm struggling, especially when I'm failing, I shouldn't block God out or block the people of God out. I should welcome the word of God. I should mm-hmm. welcome the real people of God in my life to help me. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the law, the law of freedom, and perseveres, presses past whatever the failure, whatever the shame, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's right. I know that was a lot, but I just thought that was so... That whole chapter is so powerful. It's not good enough for me to look in that mirror just one time. Right. You ever notice like sometimes even on an on a iPhone camera... You can, you can look one way, and then when you go get under a certain kind of lighting in a mirror in real life, you're like, oh my gosh. Right. That's why I got the soft glow lights that you can't see. <laughs> right. I need a little help sometimes, especially first thing in the morning. So, so we are limited. We are so limited by our perspective and what we can see clearly that we really have to be looking into this mirror on a daily, constant basis, to stay focused in the way that we should. There's so much darkness just in our culture that we contend with now. I like to see it kind of like a lighthouse. You know, I'm out at sea, and if I don't keep my eye on the light coming from that lighthouse, I'm going to get off course yes, really fast. For sure. And so the Word is like that lighthouse mm-hmm. that keeps me steady, keeps me in peace, like you talked about, keeps things clear, and brings clarity and purpose to to my life.
1: That's good. So I want to talk about, you know, the plan of the enemy versus the plan of God. And James, everything you just read is, it felt like what happens when you are in the midst of that battle, that tug of war, how you can reconcile to God things that can trip you up, how to not be tripped up. There's lots of things in there that are that seem like the practical application yeah. of the plan of the enemy versus the plan of God, you know, and how to really set the tone for your life to make it through when the enemy's plans do prevail mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. And to how and to, how to go after the plan of God for your life. One of the verses that came to mind for me was 1 John 2:16. And I'm not going to read all of the scripture, but you, you can go, you know, references. I encourage you to go read the Bible <laughs> <laughs> and look up these verses. What came to mind when I read First John 2.16 is, you know, everything in the world that the devil puts in front of us is everything that he is trying to keep our eyes off of God with. Mm-hmm. And that is the lust of the eyes, desires of the flesh, mm-hmm. the pride of life. And those are actually the three main temptations he threw at Jesus when Jesus was in the desert yeah. for 40 days, right? <laughs> Jesus was hungry. We'll turn this stone to bread and eat, mm-hmm. right? That's a desire of the flesh. He's hungry, right? So he Oh, can, I know about that one. And if he's hungry and his flesh is crying out, then he should give himself what he desires, which mm-hmm. is food, right? But how much does our flesh cry out for things other than just natural sustenance right but right. that was one of the things he tempted him with that was his plan to bring um jesus away from the glory of god and into how satan likes to do things mm-hmm. right you are the master of your own destiny why are you suffering out here in the desert right you know you can you just can call on all you the can angels. just satisfy yourself in yeah. this moment instead of looking to God to fulfill you, right? Right. Um, And the pride of life, when he offered him all of the earth as a kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. He said, all of this can be yours if you just call your angels down, like throw yourself off and call your angels down to uh, save you. And in doing so, Jesus would have brought a lot of attention and glory to himself, because people would have known about that story and been like, ooh, he really is God. All the angels came to his aid and all, you know. Right. But it would have been a prideful display mm-hmm. rather than who God really Not is. Not a humble sacrifice. Right. <laughs> um, and so that those things came to mind. And also in Romans thirteen fourteen put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to gratify. So that's just an answer to how we can combat the things I just talked about in 1 John 2.16, how the enemy wants to come and put these things in front of us to have us satisfy our own flesh, take care of our own destiny, don't look to God to fulfill us, but in Romans thirteen fourteen it says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for that flesh, mm-hmm. right?
0: Uh, to gratify that flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, look to God. Um, I always like to say, you know, if you find yourself slipping off into some darkness, just turn the light back on. That's right. right. I mean, yes. just flip the light back on. And, you know, in James it talked about when sin is allowed to grow. Yes. It's not so much that oh, I have to be completely free from sin and have no sin in my life. We all contend with sin. But it's when it's allowed to grow that we now are facing death in our life. That's right. So so as soon as you see it at its onset, right? Mm-hmm. Or you realize, man, I've slipped up. I've gotten in a mess. Turn the light back on. That's right. Because the trouble is when it's allowed to grow. Yeah.
1: Right. I was also taken to... Uh, 1 Peter 4, I am going to read this. So, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And that just really spoke to me, you know, what um, what is like a tangible evidence, like a marker that someone is choosing the will of God? the plan of God for their life versus the plan of in, the enemy for their life. It's the amount of suffering. Mm. Because <laughs> I, I don't know exactly where it is in Scripture. Uh, somebody is, maybe it's Job. Somebody's lamenting the fact that the evil people, the unrighteous, seem to have it easy, right. seem to make it through this life without suffering because of all of their money and power and prestige mm-hmm. and people come to their funeral. Like they have huge funerals. You know, we've seen these yeah. movie stars, pop stars with these huge funerals and they live their life terribly, mm-hmm. just terribly. Right. But they have all this, they seem to be not suffering in this life, but right. they're suffering eternally is eternal. Mm-hmm. God's plans are in his ways are higher than ours. We don't understand why evil can prevail here on earth, mm-hmm. and in our lifetime, we don't see justice served, but His ways are higher. He knows when the justice is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just, you know, if we are choosing God's plan for our life, and which means we're actively trying not to sin, mm-hmm. we are actively pursuing righteousness and pursuing holiness, right? We are going to suffer, yep. and that's a marker that we are in His will.
0: It even says that's how we come to know Him. Yes, is through the fellowship of suffering. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's tough, right? So, anyway, how I many just... sermons have we heard about that, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I also put in here in Second Peter, my note is uh, being enticed by false teaching to continue sinning, especially sexually. So, in Second Peter, he is speaking about false teachers who will entice people to follow the desires of their flesh. And it's kind of got a sexual bent in that, mm-hmm. in that passage, uh, especially sexually. And we can even find the plan of the enemy inside of the church huh. is what comes oh, to mind, man. right? We can find it in church because there are plenty of teachers these days who are love is love, right. who are...
0: No, God is love.
1: <laughs> right, who are just telling people to uh, follow after the desires of their heart, right. where, where the heart is deceitful and wicked, right, is what Scripture says. So just wanted to touch on those verses that first came to mind about the plan of the enemy versus the plan of God, and I, I wrote down the first and foremost plan of God for our lives is that we seek Him, Do his will and love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. Because that's the first commandment Jesus said, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. So if we want to try and find the heart of God in this and try to find, like, what is God's plan and will for my life, the high-arching, like, macro view Mm -hmm. is to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love Mm -hmm. your neighbor as yourself,
0: because that's what he's commanded us to do. So good. Yeah. Good reminders to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking like, sometimes when we're really hurting and we feel like God's forgotten about us, people have forgotten about us, whatever the case, a lot of times the best thing we can do is give from the point of our own need. Yes. The best thing we could do would be to lose ourselves to serving someone else. Right. And maybe be that friend that we wish we had or be that. Uh, family member that we wish we had. Um, and again, giving from the point of our own need, humbling ourselves uh, to sort of set the tone for whatever it is that we want. And, you know, Stephen, or even the Bible talks about, you know, if you want friends, be a friend, like be friendly. <laughs> right. And um, I think uh, it may have been in James where it talks about, you know, true ministry is in serving uh, widows and orphans and people in need, so he's even alluding to this to this idea of losing myself and my own selfish ambitions, even losing this desire to want to have everything with God and people my way, and getting lost and serving someone else. So I, I think that's really powerful that um, the kingdom's kind of flipped upside down, instead of me chasing after that thing I say I want so bad or white-knuckling for it or fighting God over wrestling God over it, I really should just forget about it and get lost in serving other people. Right. So I think that's good to to highlight during the the Christmas season, especially, you know. Stephen alluded to the heart of man, and um, I want to talk a few things about that because, you know, sometimes people will say things like, well, you know, God knows my heart behind a certain thing. You know, he knows. And um, Proverbs 16, 9 says the heart... Well, I love this. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Yes. Right? Yes. So, you know, there are things that my heart desires that I might see myself doing or, or believe that I'm best suited to do. But while I'm in pursuit of that particular thing, I need to be open for, for God to adjust my plans. That's right. You know, my heart plans my way, but I'm not in charge of my life. You know, in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, it talks about my heart. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things. There's that word all again. And desperately wicked. Who can even know it? Then it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings, right? So God's right. checking my heart behind a certain thing, and He's watching how much of what I do, my how much of my faith and action is benefiting other people. He's paying attention to that, and those are really the things that matter most to us, and matter most to Him. And when I think about, you know, my heart planning my way, but the Lord directing my steps, you know, as a young man coming to the Lord at, what, 19, and, and joining the Air Force, I had a really sort of transformational salvation experience, was, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit the same night I accepted Christ, and, you know, based on, you know, the life that I had lived prior to that as a young, you know, gay guy, I just had sort of discounted myself and never even considered, like I'm never going to get married. I'm not right. going to have kids. Like you're damaged goods. Like there's no way anybody's ever going to want you. You know, you just need to, you know, focus on this good thing you have with God, this blessing with from God and just serve him for the rest of your life. And I was actually content with the 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 plan that my heart had made. And it wasn't until like through friendship with Robin over six years that a desire for marriage started to come from that, but it wasn't my intent in my relationship with her at first, right? So even in that, you know, my my plan was she was my best friend. We were hanging out, doing everything together, and from that, you know, God directed my steps, in, in, wow. we did, you know, eventually have kids and, and things that I grew into and learned, uh, that I thought I'd never do. And so, and, and even up until recently, you know, I'm kind of at the pinnacle, of the last season of my military career. And, um, there was an opportunity that presented itself to go be like, you know, the top of my career field. So, like the top of my game in my last, right, sort of season. <laughs> and, um, Again, my heart had planned my way. Even other people's hearts had planned my way, and God directed my steps, or is directing them in another direction. And so, you know, I'll be honest with you, as Stephen alluded to the element of suffering, like, as excited as I am for God's plan, there is a part of me that grieves the loss of what my plan was, right? Right. I'll just be real with you. Like, it's Mm -hmm. bittersweet. It's, Mm -hmm. you know... and I think that oftentimes that's how life goes. We, we can get on board with God and really be excited in faith for what He has, but at the same time kind of be grieving the loss of what we wanted.
1: I thought I was going to sing at the Metropolitan Opera.
0: Yeah. Even went to a ton of school, right? Did really right. well. And it's like, how do you, um, you know it can be tough to navigate that sometimes. And a lot of times it's not until you're through that decision and you have hindsight looking back that you can connect the dots and see, okay, Lord, you really did know best. But when you're in it, it doesn't always feel great. right? <laughs> Obedience is... Um... <laughs> Better than sacrifice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so difficult, though. <laughs> right. From time to time. Just t- talking about where in your story... Talk about God's good plan for you. I know you just touched briefly on some things and what you thought was going to happen. But how do you feel, even though those plans have not come to fruition, how do you feel in the moment knowing God has directed you in this direction? Peaceful, relieved, and hopeful.
0: That's good. Yeah, because they were things that weren't even really my idea.
1: I know, yeah. I remember some of the things in the past (laughs) year or so. Mm -hmm. You're like, I just received this email from somebody, and this could completely change the trajectory of my career. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to move again. I wouldn't have to uproot my family one more time. They love it here in Canton, blah, blah, (laughs) blah,
0: blah, blah. And he's like, I didn't even think of that. Nope. It was so clearly God's finger in it. And you know when we talk about endurance, because a lot of the faith walk is—it's always an what's usually an endurance game. (laughs) It's—it's patience, it's waiting and hearing. And so what started with me with like a small nudge Mm -hmm. ended up being a conversation that led to an open door that led to a, and it was just. But if I hadn't been obedient in the small nudge earlier on then it, none of that would have opened up the way that it did. So um, I think, again, looking back, and even the other story about, you know, with um, marrying Robin and having three beautiful kids, like, I could have never imagined God doing all of that. So when, when, when he says that he wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could ask or think, right okay, according text. according to the power okay, that works in you yes so you know we come to god with our sort of you know widow's might, our little bit <laughs> right? you know our, our two fish and five loaves and he multiplies that thing and does anything so i think that in the in the abundance i can rest knowing that i this is him you know, right. I'm just going for the ride. I'm just a sheep in the field, doing where going where he's directing me to go, and so um, that's I don't I don't feel the anxiety of of having to make something happen myself.
1: That's great. Yes, and it, it just completely reminded me of Proverbs three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. <laughs> in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and oh. He will direct your paths. We don't like the all.
0: It's like I'll give you that I'll but, give you
1: but... 28% of the desires of my heart <laughs> right. and I'm going to keep the others secret even though you know them.
0: Yeah, cuz I'm really hoping this one comes through the way. And I I'm going to
1: manipulate my circumstances to try to make those other things happen <laughs> all the while you're directing me. And you know, and it really does take back to the obedience piece. You and I were talking about things that have happened in my life and we can talk about more of that in a minute. Obedience at first is not easy. No. Especially when you're... I don't even know if it's when you first come to the Lord. Sometimes you're just really excited. Maybe in that first year you're willing to do whatever He says, Mm -hmm. but then your desires creep back in. Then you might have a very lengthy period of time where it's a tug of war between what you thought was going to happen with your life versus where God is now taking you because you've surrendered to Him and given your life to Him. And that's definitely played out in my life in many ways. So I want to go back to we're going to talk about my story a little bit, but and with that, I'd like preface it with the the plans of the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the plan of the enemy for my life? Well, really if if God's plan is to direct my paths, if his first commandment is to love me with all your heart, soul and mind and then love your neighbor as yourself is the second commandment. Those are like the overarching plans for our lives, mm-hmm. right? The enemy's plan is always the opposite. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm -hmm. He is prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful image. Like, that's what I want. You know, no, like. Sign me up for that. Right, (laughs) no. Right. But God's plan also is to bring us into his kingdom Mm -hmm. for eternity, to give us eternal life so we can fellowship with him forever. And also, while we're here on earth, he wants to he wants to give us life so we have it more abundantly as well, mm-hmm. instead of taking and killing and destroying. And I can see how the enemy's plans for my life, if they had played out the way they were, if I had continued to choose that path. And I want to be clear, sometimes like in the depths and despair of my sinful life especially in my 20s, and a short blip in my early 30s, and I'm, and I'm speaking mostly to sex addiction, some of that felt uncontrollable to me. Mm-hmm. Some of it was, I don't want to choose this. I don't know any other way to live my life. I don't know any other way to be satisfied or to feel loved or to feel accepted than to give my body up to other people. I say that because some people can judge those types of actions more harshly than they would someone who just gossips in church, which also kills spirits and destroys lives, just to be clear. So I want to say that because sometimes I felt like I had no control over those actions and choices, even though I
0: was choosing them in the moment. I think when they're associated with trauma in the way that yours were, Mm -hmm. we tend to get stuck in the point of our pain. Right. <clears throat> and yeah. we repeat it until we can hopefully through the help of the Holy Spirit make sense of the broken pieces. So I, I think that it's 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 a really good point to bring up in your case the element of trauma because I mean it sort of sets the stage for a whole different experience and need for God to come and interrupt and make sense yes. and heal, right?
1: Yes, and he yeah. definitely interrupted that pattern. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, in some really amazing ways, and he's still interrupting, because I'll never be fully healed. The side of heaven, trauma, sexual abuse uh, lasts a lifetime in a lot of people's lives in different ways, um, but every every day is a, is better than the last. You know, especially on this journey with Christ at the center. So I'm just in a much better place, obviously, than I was 15 years ago.
0: <laughs> well, and I I think if that's okay, that's that's probably a good spot. Um, for me to ask you this question. I thought about it when we were having coffee. Um, just that I think when I look at your life and just how you, um, I believe, have a gift of faith and have mm. really moved out in a lot of ways um, quickly. I feel like in many instances when you hear or know something from God, you you don't have a problem like moving out, executing it quickly. Um Can you talk to us just a little bit about like what's it like living this new way of faith compared to the way things were? Like, um, how are how are you able to move out like that? What is what 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 goes on inside you? Sure, I will preface by saying
1: uh, if you know the Enneagram. I am an, I am an Enneagram 7, yes. which is labeled the enthusiast, okay? I am future-minded. Mm. What's coming next? Which my growth and my work is to be present in the moment, mm-hmm. which sometimes is difficult for me. I'm much better at it than I used to be, and I really enjoy it. Actually, I'm much more peaceful, relaxed, chill, you know, and not struck with emotions if plans change or, you know, things I had planned forever don't come out right, that kind of thing. So I say all of that because I am a naturally excited person when something new is in front of me. Mm -hmm. And faith brings about a lot of new things in my life, new thoughts, new goals, ambitions, all from God, Mm -hmm. you know, I think. There are still the desires that I have of my own, but I'm more apt to submit them to God on a readily, uh, on a ready basis, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of just trying to manipulate circumstances to get my way because I have a thought that I want to accomplish, right? And so the faith aspect for me is that, First and foremost, it's exciting. It feels exciting to me what's God going to do next because I have seen played out over my life, especially I would say after I turned 31 and after I was done with my master's program, and then God the very first thing that God said to me through Tim and Sarah if you last if you listen to the last episode, you you will know that Sarah is a good friend of mine that I met in New York singing opera together and she is a fellow believer and she basically brought me back to Christ through her love and her example of Christ's likeness to me and community to me up in New York um, because I had swung back into some addictive um, paths, patterns, and and so she, she saw the light in me and brought it out, right? And so with that, the very first thing that I felt God asked me to give up was the very thing I had spent the majority of my life pursuing <laughs> and practicing for and spending a lot of money on and that is a lot of money singing. Mm-hmm. She invited me to come back to Nashville to live with her and her husband to heal, to go to church, to pay off some debt, to go to therapy, and I had a choice. And I felt that God was asking me and making it plain through her to set down my opera career. And I, at that time, had four contracts coming up. I was making my way, mm-hmm. right? I was, I was going to be something in the opera community. Mm-hmm. And I just knew in that moment that if I choose obedience to God in that moment and set down my opera career and cancel those four contracts and move back to Nashville and kind of disappear for a little while, something good is going to come of that. Mm, okay. And I was excited to see what God was going to do, even though I knew it was going to come with a lot of pain at the same time, because there was going to be a lot of things he wanted to remove from me. Right? Not just opera. <laughs> Not just opera. Yeah. But something in me said, choose this. This is the better choice, and part of the draw was Tim and Sarah's sense of community. I mm. longed, mm. yeah, I longed for community so yeah. much back then. And being in that, uh, being in the performing arts, you get it in short blips, and you get you know flash in the pan relationships that you know you then become Facebook friends and keep in touch you know, once every three years, and that's nothing, right? So they were offering me something much deeper. So that coupled with God asking me to lay things down and pursue Him in that moment. Yes. um, I couldn't say no to it. And so that was, for me, one of the markers of my life as being one of the most obedient choices I had made up to that point. And from there, knowing what the fruit of that obedience yeah. the joy it brought, the peace it brought, the healing it brought into my life over the next five to six years, I, it's easier to choose obedience and to have faith for what God's going to do in my life if I let go of things and give this up. Mm-hmm. Go here, do
0: that. Right. Yeah, you're a little more apprehensive to guard that thing. And as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking back to what we read in James about faith being for others. Right. Mm. Right. As we go about just doing our best to love God and love people, you know, people like Stephen back then in New York and then in Utah are watching. And it was watching someone else's faith in action, someone else's love in action, that caused him to want to lay down this other life to pursue the things of God. And so that it goes back to that, you know, um, our show of faith isn't to prove to God that we love Him. Our show of faith is to prove God's love to other people. Mm. You know, love. It's not love is love. God is love. Right. It's His idea that the enemy tries to steal, and pervert, and pollute. But but faith is the the reason for faith is to show people. God's goodness and his love and the way that you just described. So that's powerful um, yes. to connect that.
1: I, and I, and I mm-hmm. can hear and see the people who over that time period of the last 11 years now or 12 years have said to me, oh, you're like a little catalyst.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: see you and it makes me want to chase after what God told me, right? Yeah. And that feels really good to me. It feels really good. And the amount, I used to be accused of, there was some truth in it prior to maybe uh, 31 years old, I would bounce around a lot, Mm -hmm. but that's because I was looking for love in all the wrong places, okay? Right. And I bounced around, I moved, I changed friendship groups, you know, everybody was unhealthy, you know, so just constantly like canceling each other out and all that stuff. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'm getting to is after that big marker of obedience for me and all the healing God has brought me through, my moves, because after that I moved back to the beach, I moved to Dallas for three months, but in those moves, God was teaching me things, and other people might have seen it as Stephen's just being flighty, He just kind of moves around and can't get settled, Mm -hmm. but it was God taking me on a journey and testing my obedience and my faith throughout the entire situation. You know, I moved to Dallas because I thought it had been five, six years since I gave up my opera career for that season, and I thought God was going to bring me back into it. Mm -hmm. And I started singing again in Myrtle Beach and local things and being hired as a professional, to sing in Handel's Messiah, stuff like that. And through that, I was getting ready to go to the University of North Texas for a doctorate degree. I'd already had my master's. And I could have had a full ride to get my doctorate. And I went there, and I was supposed to mark off the final thing, which is auditioning in front of the staff. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm there and I'm living in Dallas, getting ready to audition and like make a new life in Dallas and go to this school and get my doctorate. But something inside said, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not so sure that was my plan for you. Yeah. And the peace wasn't there. Correct. And there was one of those moments where I, I tested God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I said, I don't know what to do. You have given me this ability. People love to hear me sing. People love it when I'm helping them in performing arts. I was going to come here and get this doctorate and, you know, continue this career path because I have all of this talent and this is what I've spent the majority of my life already on and have a lot of money invested into. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. The next morning, (laughs) the next morning was the audition to kind of seal the deal And admit me and probably give me a full ride. That's kind of what we were discussing. And I said, God, if you do not want me to pursue this doctorate degree, you're going to need to show up and stop me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else to do, because I can't hear you correctly right now, because my voice and your voice seems muddied together right now, so I'm unclear. Mm -hmm. Would you know I woke up the next morning with a 103 degree fever, oh, wow. fever, and I could not talk or sing for nine days straight. Oh my! And I said, "I hear you."
0: Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and pack your bag. <laughs> I and go hear you. Home.
1: I did. No, I, <laughs> I, and nothing would work there. I couldn't get a job. But it's not like me. So I said. I felt in my soul," he said. He was telling me go back to Nashville, mm-hmm. and I did. So that's just another moment where I felt I was being obedient by going to Dallas, and I believe I was. Sure. But I think in the moment he was testing my faith, mm-hmm. and that I was going to come to him for the answer, which you could be more gentle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. next
1: time. The fever didn't last long, but man, I was horse. Nine
0: days, that's a long time. I
1: was horse. Uh, it was weird. I'm like, I don't ever deal with this.
0: Well, I, and I've told friends, I've had friends that have done similar things. Yeah. Where they think that it's this job at another place and they pick up and go and it just seems like every turn they make is just a closed door or trouble. And I've always told people, you know, my my advice has always been, well, where was the last place that you were that was a place of blessing? Yes, or peace. Or peace. Like... Yeah, and I have them go back, and, and my friends could tell me, it was when I was here doing this, and I my recommendation has been, well, what do you think about going back and doing that? Right. And they did it, and they were right back in that rhythm that they loved having in God. And so mm-hmm. sometimes we do find ourselves where we're where, where, where following those things that are in our heart, but... Um, as it relates to music, can you talk to us a little bit about this journey of like submitting this gift to oh, ministry? Gosh. Like what's that been like for you? <laughs> <sighs>
1: it's been It's been really freeing actually. Mm-hmm. It's freeing in the way that in the beginning, when I started helping on the worship team at our current church, it was a struggle for me. Um, I'm a perfectionist. And if I'm not hitting the notes right, or if I'm not singing the right words, mm-hmm. or whatever in the moment, there's a lot of emotions of involved in that. And there was there was some pridefulness in my approach to singing, even helping with worship, that I know God wanted to shed off of me. Yeah. And and it really was just my um, mindset about why I'm even up there in the first place. Okay. I'm not up there to sound good and make sure the church has someone up, up there who's pleasing to hear. Come on. Although that's important. It is. Because we also don't want people to be distracted from worship. Mm-hmm. Excellence is important. I would say perfectionism is not important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the right heart, humility is extremely important to help usher other people in who are trusting you because you're up there leading them, Yes. usher them into the heart of worship in that moment, and ultimately into God's presence. Yes. So that's been the realization for me, and I'm very thankful to our worship pastor, Thomas, who invited me to be in his cohort this year. And really read through a lot of different books and texts and dive deep together about authentic worship and the heart of God and why we we are even up there in the first place. And this has been a monumental year for me in regards to my singing ability and what's important and what is not important. And I've been able to relax a lot on stage and and I've heard people who know me very well just say, you look more confident f- and confident free. and mm-hmm. free and sure of yourself mm-hmm. and you're just like becoming more of who god made you to be
0: in this context yeah it's not you having to perform right. or being on the hook to perform but shifting mindset mm-hmm. to what happens if the holy spirit leads through my voice that's
1: right and sometimes yeah. i can't even keep singing because the holy spirit is so mm-hmm. strong Mm-hmm. I'm, that's a wrap I'm out Yeah. <laughs> thank God there are three other people on yes. mics helping sing you know because it gets in my it gets in my throat chakra Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know and messes me up yeah. Um. that's where that's the first thing when I feel any emotion this tight this gets tight
0: and I get <laughs> uh, uh, and I can't even you know so it's I'm but done it's, it's good to contrast I think um, because I find and I'm guilty of it too of seeing how maybe you know people live and function in the in the secular world you know apart from god and how oftentimes as you alluded to earlier they have all the things they have you know all the success the house the look the 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 talent the right. i mean whatever and they can appear to be so much more blessed than us. Right. And um, you know, oftentimes as I've sat with people who had that appearance, um, we find that they're really lonely or really broken or really Wanting. in despair mm-hmm. and it's never enough. They're on the hamster wheel of it never being enough. And so I wanna just kinda highlight that, especially in the Christmas season, that it's not about um getting my way and everything I want or that I think I want as much as it is the satisfaction mm. and the peace that comes from yielding my life to Christ. Nothing can compare. And um, oftentimes we get caught up. We get caught up in, in seeking something that is apart from Him or, or whatever. It can go a thousand different ways. And... Um, We have to be reminded sometimes again that, uh, like the song says, I searched all over, couldn't find anybody, anybody greater than God. You know, like, um, I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep taking those journeys. I want to just settle into Him. (laughs) Yeah, and that's how I feel my life
1: is Mm -hmm. kind of going in the moment. Yes. And I like it a lot more. Right. It's so nice. It's really great. I feel like just kind of wrapping this up with, a reminder of mm-hmm. the plan of god and maybe touch on a couple of scriptures just to you know what is the word? encourage you yeah. <laughs> i was like what's the word <laughs> <laughs> encourage you and a couple of things um i saw in psalm thirty three eleven, it says that his plans stand firm forever and it says that in the psalms even in the old testament the Holy Spirit inspired that scripture to reassure us that his plans are forever. Mm -hmm. And we are, if we are in the will of God, if we have given our lives to him, even the plan of communing and worshiping and being in the body in the heavenly realm for all of eternity is part of his plan. And it's going to stand forever. And that just gives me a lot of hope. And, Uh, Of course, the very famous verse that a lot of people either read out of context or (laughs) mistranslate is the, um, all things work together for good Mm -hmm. for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. A lot of people like to leave part B out of that statement. Mm -hmm. All things work together for good. But really, it's to those who love God and are called according to His purpose, which echoes back to the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's His ultimate plan and will for our lives, to work things together for good, Mm -hmm. to bring us to Him, to fellowship with us, to accomplish His purposes and plans here on earth through our lives as we submit to Him. I just think it's beautiful.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) I kept hearing, like as you're reading that, that God did not change His mind about you. That's right. Sometimes we change our mind about God, or we change our mind about other people, that's good. but his plans don't change. His faithfulness towards us doesn't shift just because we're not faithful to him. That's right. I think that's important. He's not moved by whatever the latest trends of the world are. If he said it, he meant it, and it stands. That's right. And so even for those that may be believing what the word says about for yourself or for a loved one, if he said it, you can count on it. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't have to repent like we do. Right? He gets it right, and he gets it right all the time. Right? So that's good. When we were talking about the peace and and the assurance that comes from that, we share in that as the body of Christ. And so I hope that um, during this Christmas season, you can really hold on to that and remember that that. Um, if you know he said it, if you can find the promise, whether it's in scripture or something spoken directly to you, you can count on it and rest in it. Wanna pray? Let's pray for that. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, the season of Christmas, much Christ. And thank you that in the days ahead we as a body can just focus in on you and remember all that you did. Um, when you came into this world and, and you suffered all the things that we suffered in the body that, that we live in, you, you came and paid the ultimate price um, for us. And um, so you came here a humble baby and left here a sacrificed king. And so, Father, we thank you for your plan for us um, that is more powerful than any evil word spoken. or any negative plan put into action. Lord, we thank you that you have your eyes on us and you keep us in your perfect ways. We thank you that you're a good shepherd, that you fight our battles for us, that you stand up for us, that you father us in ways that many of us never had. Thank you for showing us something different. Thank you for showing us true, unconditional, sacrificial love. And ultimately, thank you for coming down off of your throne and, um, again, joining in us in this um, fellowship of human suffering and overcoming all of it. We look to you um, to help us overcome. We look to you to help us endure through trials and to count it all joy, to shift our perspective, and to greet trouble with joy knowing that you're with us and that you make all the difference and that you cause our faith to grow and endure from glory to glory from victory to victory we thank you um, that we're an already not yet that you already see us clothed in christ god that you see us through the lens of his um, blood-bought sacrifice for our sins But Lord, while we're in this body, help us to not take freedom in Christ as just um, an avenue to continue sinning or to sin in new ways, but help us to live in that true freedom above the power of sin um, and called in your glorious light in your way that is filled with your love and leads to love everlasting. Thank you for not only victory in this life, but ultimately victory in eternal life with you, where everything that we always longed for that we may not have experienced by this limited body, Father, that you would have it all there in the fullness of your glory, in the fullness of unrestrained fellowship with you and with one another, that everything that we're longing for in this life would be answered, would be fulfilled in the next. We thank you, and we love you, Jesus. We thank you for this time to just think about you and to share. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We can't wait to uh, get back on here for next time and see what God brings. We're so happy that you join us um, every time that we post one of these. And um, again, give us a a comment or two if you want to hear a particular topic, ask any questions that you wish, and we'll be back to you. So thanks again.